This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. It's Cinco de Mayo. Festive celebration of Mexican culture. Plus, drinking margaritas. Hey, getting ready for Cinco de Mayo. I am throwing a big Cinco de Mayo party. Big Cinco de Mayo numero uno. De Mayo. Today, let's celebrate Cinco de Mayo, which, of course, is followed by Sesta Hangover. <laughs> it's showtime. Happy motherfucking Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> what a great way to start it off. What's up, our friends? It is my favorite day of the year. Tonight, I am going to, again, try my luck at trying to roll a freaking burrito. I, uh, have, I'm i just so bad at it. Like, was there a day in school when they taught that and I was just absent that day or something? <laughs> so, are you doing burritos or chimichangas, or what is even the difference? Uh, deep fried. So, you are, so you are doing the regular old-fashioned burrito. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm gonna roll a burrito. Uh huh. Then you fry it or crisp it up. I'm probably gonna do it in the oven because gotcha. I don't have a deep fryer. Uh, but yeah, I would like chimichangas tonight. Okay, that seems like a good one. I've looked at all kinds of different Cinco de Mayo recipes and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and and there's some good ones out there. I mean, uh, shrimp tacos. I could do that. I could do the one pot Mexican steak and potato stew oh. or stew with guajillo sauce. Maybe it's gonna be. Uh, I don't know. Let's see here. Uh, a mango upside down cake for dessert. I don't know. I'm looking at uh, all kinds of Cinco de Mayo recipes, and I thought I haven't had chimichangas in a long time. Not since what was that Mexican restaurant that was around for a long time? Chichis. We had a, like a Tex-Mex restaurant here in Waterloo Region, and uh, I used to go there, and I loved it. So I'm going to take a crack at it tonight. All right. And I'm going to drink a lot of fucking tequila. I'll tell you that. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's a given. Just make sure, hey, if you are trying to wrap it, make sure you have the tequila after you attempt the wrap. Because maybe that's where you're going wrong there, is you're having too much tequila first and then attempting to wrap it. Honestly, it couldn't go any worse. It okay. really couldn't. I mean, I go into like Mucho Burrito or or any of the taco burrito places, and I watch them, and they make it so effortless. They just fill it full of toppings. Like there's beans and meat and rice and sour cream and guac and the whole nine yards. Right. And then just bup, 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 roll, 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 boom. Sear it, and you're good. It never turns out like that when I do it. Never. It pisses me off. I like to think that I'm pretty good at a couple of different things. Rolling a burrito, not one of them, Cat. Not one of them. <laughs> but I will give it another whirl tonight for Cinco de Mayo. Uh, in case you're wondering, by the way, the part of the reason that I like Cinco de Mayo is it's uh, basically an excuse for a, a celebration. I wasn't there, obviously, when the Mexican forces triumphed at the Battle of Pueblo. However... I can certainly get behind the spirit. Let's have some food. Let's drink some drinks and let's have a good time. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everybody. Whole bunch of things we're going to get to in this edition of After Nine. And thank you for listening, by the way. Have you heard the expression big nose, big hose? (laughs) I honestly have not. (laughs) Men with big noses may have a larger pecker. Okay, here we go. Here we go. 
Well, sometimes when they study these things, they can draw a correlation where it's hard to deny the science. So let's go through this exercise here and find out exactly what they're talking about. There's some big nose guys right now thinking, yes, I'm listening. Uh, Tell me more. Mm -hmm. So here you go. They studied this over in Japan and they found that men with noses that were 1.8 inches long had an average below the belt length of 4.1 inches. Men with a 2.2 inch nose, it shoots up to 5.3 inches down there. They also found the size of a man's nose is closely related to the size of their junk more so than any other indicator. I mean, people have tried different things, right? Like, oh, if they've got a longer ring finger than index finger, that means they've got a huge dick. Well, the one that I typically hear is the hands and the feet. Right. Hands and feet. Yeah. Big hands, that's big been dick. around for a while. Big feet, big dick. Like that's what's always been around. Yeah. They're still not sure why the two measurements are related. It was a fairly small study. They admit more research is needed. But basically, guys, if you've got a big nose, chances are you're packing down there. And that's great. I'm trying to figure out if I have a big nose or a regular size nose or a little nose. How does my nose look, cat? I don't think it's like like I, it would not be a feature on your face that I would notice was too big or too small. I would say you have a fairly average sized schnoz, man. An average size schnoz. I think that you do. <laughs> it's pretty average, right? Yeah, I mean, I would assume it's a fairly average size schnoz too. I, I don't know if there's really a relation in my area, but uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, guys, this is a great excuse to get a tape measure and measure your dick. And you know what? Go ahead and tell people, like, hey, I measured my dick today. I'm at uh, uh, 5.2 inches. Great. Share that information openly with everybody. Let them all know. <laughs> you wonder, Can you though, imagine if that was a thing? If we tried to normalize telling people how big your pecker is? Right. Yeah. I, I wonder, too, because, you know, people will assume maybe ethnicity-wise, it's been said, you know, Italians have bigger noses or whatever the greeks have bigger noses or whatever it is and maybe you always thought of it as a bad thing well guys hey you got it you flaunt it apparently yes yep Uh uh-huh i'm here for it hell yeah it's a little bit of hope for some people and a great excuse to measure go for it have fun uh tiffany's we all know about tiffany's that very very expensive store at the mall Mm mm-hmm they're trying Again, to normalize men wearing engagement rings. Okay. This is for a couple of different reasons, namely money. They would like to sell more jewelry than they currently do. And they think that if if engagements should include a ring for her and a ring for him, that's more money for them. Yeah. So they've unleashed this new line. They say with these new wedding bands style engagement rings, guys will also be able to show off the fact that they're off the market and they're taken. Right. So, okay, first of all, it surprises me. This is actually the first of its kind for Tiffany & Co. That's right. Yeah. And and there's other places that will make, they'll tell you it can be an engagement ring or a band, but these ones straight up do look like, for those wondering, an engagement ring because it does have the diamond on it. I think that's what sets it apart from a regular band you will typically see a male wearing, correct? Yep. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm with the people who think this is a money grab. It is. I mean, we're talking about the diamond industry. I know there's no shortage of people, um, males, who do wear engagement rings. And by the way, I'm t- same-sex couples aside, because we know that obviously one of the two, if they're going to get married, will likely propose to the other one. It's not usually a mutual decision, although maybe that happens too, where they're just like, you want to get married? Yeah, sure, fine. But you know you have an actual proposal, and then you have an engagement ring. So this is an option whoever you are, to show off that you are going to get married. The problem is, because it's so normalized, I think, for a woman to wear one, I'm sure if someone saw it on a man, they would just assume the man is already married. So I'm not sure if we're going to get to a point where when you see a band on a man's hand that you know for certain that they might, they're engaged over being married. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. In this case... Tiffany's has platinum and titanium designs featuring a single emerald cut diamond up to five carats set in a knife edge band. They call it a bold departure from the traditional wedding band. No price is released yet, but we do know that their women's engagement rings range from twenty nine hundred up to one hundred thirteen thousand five hundred dollars. So these aren't going to be cheap, but I'm wondering about the practicality of it. For example. I'll I'll use myself as an example, even though this is likely not going to happen. But if I were to propose to my girlfriend, Uh, I would have a ring. There it is. Okay. Let me just take that in for a sec. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Carry on. Just fuck off. So if I have this (laughs) ring. (laughs) Did you hear that, girlfriend? Yeah, you did. (laughs) So I've got this ring and I get down on one knee and I ask her if she is willing to marry me. And then, boom, we are engaged. Right. Would she then have to go out and get one of these rings to give to me? Or is it because I propose she gets a ring and I would only get one if she proposed to me? Okay, so I I think each person will see it their own way. For me, I think this is just an option for a, a man to wear an engagement ring if he so chooses. I know there are some people who have proposed. If let's say we're talking about a hetero couple, I know it's happened before where women have proposed to their guys. It has happened. So, and and I've seen, by the way, I've seen one go down that did not end well. Really? At a restaurant. Oh, Ooh, oh yes. it was bad. Like, it was really super awkward. Like, really Damn awkward. it, I miss those things all the time. Yeah, no, it was a birthday <laughs> dinner and, oh, long story short, it was the most awkward dessert portion of the meal that I, my husband and I have ever been a part of, ever. And they did not end up getting married. She was a horrendous person. But anyway, maybe I'll get into that story another time. But in those cases, isn't it, is not it not nice for that person to have an option to do an engagement for him if, let's say, he really was open to the idea of being proposed to by, a, by, his, by his woman? Mm. You know, I know that it's not for everybody, and I'm trying to be open-minded about this. I don't think I would like that either. Even yeah. if I really wanted to marry that person, I don't think I would like the engagement because, and I think longtime listeners understand that I'm a bit of a traditionalist in right. that sense. I mean, I still insist on paying the bill when I take somebody out on a date. So I, I don't know if I would go for this. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um I do know, though, that there's a lot of people who just plain can't wear rings. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because of their their job. Um, A police officer friend of mine uh, sometimes has to get into tactical situations, and if he ever has to go over a fence, he can't have something hanging off of him or on him that could get stuck. So he wears a rubber band on his ring finger when he's at work, but he puts his gold 
wedding ring back on when he gets home and when he's going to be home for a couple of days. Uh, today is National Skilled Trades Day. What's up to all our tradespeople listening right now? We appreciate you. Uh, a lot of skilled trades can't wear a wedding ring yeah. because it interferes with the tools they use or the equipment. So, I mean, there's a lot of scenarios where men don't wear a ring anyway. Um, I, I think that in this scenario, I mean, the gift is the ring. You give the gift because you're proposing an engagement. I mean, if you think about it in the very literal senses of the words, that's what it is. And you give a gift with it. So if you're going to get engaged, I guess it does kind of make sense that it goes both ways. Can you see that? Like, no, I, hey, I gave you no. a ring, so now you should give me one too. No, I don't think this will ever be a normal normalized. No, if, if that's a if that's a question that you have, I don't think so. Uh, no, I, I think that it's nice that people have the option, and that's all this is is an option. Don't I? I I would hate it. I will hate it if I see any kind of headline on this saying trending now men all wearing engagement rings. No, it's fucking not. It's not a trend. It's just an option. It's a new option, and it is to each their own, as everything else is. Some people don't wear wedding bands at all, like you mentioned. Maybe it's because of what you do. Maybe some people just don't like wearing jewelry. Maybe you have allergies to jewelry. Maybe you know, especially in this pandemic, don't like tan lines. No, you don't want tan lines. <laughs> uh, wh- whatever it is, you're worried about the theft of that piece of jewelry. So you don't wear it out often Uh, you secretly fucking hate your relationship people will do that for many different reasons and again these are all just these are all just options and i don't think we need to judge someone else's choice that's for sure i won't ever like if you told me if let's say you did propose to your girlfriend and i'm sorry to use you as an example but we'll use you as an example please don't use me as an example i'm going to (laughs) so let's say you did propose to your girlfriend what a lovely day and then you decide or or she gets you a gift and you wear it. I'm not judging you for that. That's on you. Like, it's your fucking finger. You do what you want with it. I don't think anyone should feel pressured to do it. And I do think this is definitely a money grab because what they're ch- hoping for here, even though you could just use that as your wedding band, guys, no matter who you're marrying, what time it is, you could use that as your wedding band and just make that it. But they want you to also buy a wedding band on top of that. I think that's the sole purpose. It's to make you spend more money. And it'll probably work for some people because they're going to think it's trendy and want to do it. Somebody suggested this morning when we talked about this on our FM radio show on 91.5 The Beat in Kitchener that the jewelry industry is suffering right now for a specific reason. So many people have got smart watches now and Mm -hmm. Fitbits and things like that Mm -hmm. that far less people are wearing watches Mm -hmm. and they need to make up for the lost watch sales by introducing something new to the jewelry market okay and and you know that made a lot of sense to me sure i haven't i've got some gorgeous watches really expensive ones too that i haven't worn in like a year and a half they're sitting in a box in in my master bedroom because i wear my 300 hundred dollar apple watch all the time Every day. So, and see, that's one theory, and that's a great one. Another one is this past year, I mean, I myself, I have some very lovely earrings and bracelets. I'm not wearing a lot of jewelry because I'm not seeing very many people. You know, there's people out there that are barely putting on jeans anymore, and I get it. You know, your nice shoes, they've been in the back of the closet for a long time because nobody is watching you wear these. So why would you bother? So maybe the same thing would go for all kinds of pieces of jewelry. That That is probably why, as well, the jewelry industry is taking a little bit of a hit and trying to come up with new different ways that you will hopefully show off your jewelry. I'm not sure I'll ever go back to some things. Like, I used to wear a lot of jewelry. And you know what? I'm quite comfortable not wearing a ton of jewelry all the time. I'm good with that. I barely wear any at all. So I think that there's a couple of things in the mix there when it comes to the jewelry industry. I would be curious to speak with people that are in it to see how what they've found, because the watch one's a good one, too. 
Um, just the last question on this. How diva can I get with this engagement ring? Because we all know there's people who were given an engagement ring and they didn't like the ring. And maybe they accepted it because it was a gift, but they're not really proud of it. They don't really like it. It's not their style. doesn't look good on their hand. Right. Whatever. Yep. A lot of people don't like them. Can guys get like that too? Like, oh, thank you. This is a beautiful ring, but take it back and get me something else. I, I wanted a princess cut. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was mean, hoping for an oval. It, like, I don't know. For me, I would never do it without getting thoughts on it from him. And to each their own. Some guys, for example, will go out and buy a ring for their girl, no problem. Some guys will do it for their future husbands, no problem, because they feel like they know that person well enough to do it. For me, I don't, I don't know how comfortable I would feel picking out a piece of jewelry like that for him. So I feel like that's a conversation that would be had, or at least getting a rough idea before the fact. Which I know some people don't like because it's not a surprise. Uh, you shouldn't be too surprised by a proposal, I think, anyway. You should assume it's coming. So, I, I mean, I think you have every right to have feelings on it. And if you don't like it, I understand. But it should also maybe be a conversation ahead of time. But doesn't that take the surprise out of yeah, it? Yeah, it does. But some people don't want to be surprised. Or you Again, you still have an indication. Like, I call bullshit. I call bullshit on anyone who says that they were surprised they got engaged. You were surprised in the moment it happened. When I got engaged, you bet your ass I was surprised. It was a Monday after I took a nap, after the morning show, a random Monday in January. I was surprised to shit to see, A, my husband home, and B, down on one knee in our in our house. Now, that moment was surprising, but I was not shocked. Oh, I'm shocked that I'm engaged. No, like, fuck off. You're not surprised that you're engaged. Don't give me that. You know it's coming, so the person has a rough idea of what the person likes going into it. Or has at least overheard them talking about it. I really wish this was on video. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Were you like, what the fuck are you doing? Get off your knees. Let's go. Come on. I'm going to do something here. I was honestly, after the whole thing happened, I went... I am I'm still like in a fog and I don't even know what you said, but I know I said yes. So, all right, let's celebrate. <laughs> oh, that's great. Ha- oh, uh, Caesar's Entertainment just came out with some news this morning that almost every weekend this summer at their properties in Las Vegas are sold out. Oh, my God. you trying to make me jealous? Like, what are you a little trying bit. To do? I know how much you love Vegas. <sighs> But I mean, hey, that's great. Vegas is almost sold out for the summer already, and it's just the 5th of May. Wow. And maybe you guys have heard this term, and I know we talked about it a couple of times, just very briefly, especially on the podcast, but they're saying the Roaring Twenties. It's interesting that it's always been known as the Roaring Twenties are going to come back again post-pandemic. And Vegas is going to be one of the, if not the, hot spot, especially in North America anyway, for that. The Roaring Twenties that you saw in you know New York City are is going to happen in Vegas. That's what everybody who predicts these things says. They say it is going to be near impossible and extremely expensive to even get yourself a room in Vegas in one of the mediocre hotels at one point uh, toward 2022. And I can see why. I mean, that's the spot I'd love to be. And I'm, uh, yes, of course, I'm jealous, but I'm super happy that finally people are able to do that again. And, and I guess feel safe doing it. And they're not in the same spot we are here in Ontario. We'll get there. But uh, I think that that's really good for the, for the travel industry. It's good for anyone in the travel industry to hear that, to know that people are willing to do it and it will get better. Yeah, I'm happy for them. But part of the reason that I was drawn to this story is because when I think Vegas, I also think scam. It's not just 
fun and gambling and drinking. There's also a lot of scams. I mean, how many times have you been at Vegas or in the Caribbean where, you know, if you sit through this particular presentation, you get X for free? Uh, I was in Mexico once and, hey, come on this catamaran excursion, blah, 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 blah. We're just going to make one stop. And you have to sit through like a fucking timeshare presentation or something oh, before you worst. get your, pre- your, yeah. your excursion for free. Uh, those timeshare people are the worst. Yeah. This is very similar, though. It's a group of elderly tourists that all paid to go on a sightseeing tour recently. But the uh, sightseeing tour company told them part of the reason that this is so cheap is there's going to be a stop along the way. And so they were instantly figuring, oh, fuck, it's a timeshare. Good Lord, here we go. They were kind of right. They took them to a cemetery and showed off all the various features and what plots are available. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh, but I am. The local tourism office said they're investigating the people running that sightseeing tour. They also mentioned that the elderly tourists did get a free lunch as part of their trip. And that was in exchange for this stop along the way where they basically tried to sell them cemetery plots. Oh, my God. That's terrible. What the fuck? so rude. Like I'd be like I'd eat my egg salad sandwich and everything, but then I'd be fucking pissed. <laughs> like you fucking assholes, right? Wow, wow. Who I, thinks that's okay to blindside a bunch of elderly people by taking them on a tour of a cemetery and trying to sell them a plot, all in exchange for a free lunch? How do you do that with a straight face? Like, how do you actually do that and feel good about yourself? Like, hey, Gertrude, hope you're hope you're enjoying your chicken wrap. Why don't you come on over here and check out this gravesite? I think it'd be very perfect for you. Like, seriously? Un- Unbelievable that they thought that was okay. Let's talk final resting place, shall we? <laughs> it's uh, it's insane on those t- on those timeshares too. I mean, you, I know you've experienced it many times because you've been you've traveled a lot, especially to those all inclusives. I got to a point where I had to almost. I had to almost scream at the top of my lungs to someone who was constantly every morning at the same spot. I was there for a full week, you know, like most people do on an all-inclusive. And every day I would pass this woman by and she was a lovely young lady. The first day I gave some time. You know, I gave her, you know, 10 minutes to explain what she was there for, talking to me about her, the excursion that we could go on for free. And I was like, okay, you know what? Not for me. I just got here. Let me chill out. No problem. She targeted me. Next day, came right up to me and found me. So today's the day. You're going to come on over. And and I knew about timeshare, so I knew the moment would come. She, I, I turned it down. I said, I know what this is. She's still day three, day four. Finally, on day five, I'm like, bitch, please. Like, you've got to <laughs> leave me alone. I, I, and, and, and she kept saying these things because this is what they do, right? Like, you are from Canada. You are Canadian. We love you here. We want you to be here longer. We want you to be a part of us. You know, like, this is what we want for you, Canada. We love you. And I'm thinking, how many Canadians were so nice? This must have worked because I just was, there was like a fucking target on my back. How many Canadians were just like, okay, yeah, I'll get myself a free, uh, free little excursion. I'll sit there. And then they do it. And guys, let me tell you something, too. When there is literally an entire side industry that get people out of timeshares forcefully, 
you know it can get sketchy. And I know there's some that are fine. And I know there's some people listening right now that are part of it. Just fine uh, timeshares here in Ontario even. I know some that are a part of it. I've taken advantage of that, of friends of mine who have had it. But when there's an entire side industry, when it comes to a country you don't live in especially, that will help you get out of it for money that you have to pay for to get out of it, you know you've got to ask more questions. <laughs> ask more questions. And no means no. All right. Thank you. <laughs> I feel better. I'll be honest with you. I'm sure there are success stories, but yeah. I've never once heard somebody rave about how great their timeshare is. Yeah, there are some like for smaller resorts in Ontario and and a, a relative of mine is a part of one and they quite like it and they use their points and they have flex points and they give them to family and they've used them at multiple resorts and it works for them. But I feel like if you if you you need to truly be honest with yourself and where you want that timeshare to be. And I think a lot right. of people make these decisions based on I'm feeling good. It's a little euphoria in the moment, maybe a few drinks in, if you know what I'm saying, and feeling really good and they talk you into it and then you end up with a fucking timeshare that you never visit but spend money on. Uh, uh, one thing I will mention is, and they don't call it a timeshare. They call it a vacation club. Right. But Disney used to have a really good one. I'm not sure if they still do or not. But basically, you're buying points that you can use at any of their resorts around the world. Okay. So I did look into that one. I did not end up doing it because I kind of like being able to go wherever I want, not feeling obligated to go to the same place year after year after year. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Um... A couple of different things going on. Number one, how bad is the timing on this? How bad is this timing? We all know that NASI, the Immunization Council, came out with that weird advice about AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. Like, yeah, yeah, take it if you can't wait for Moderna or mm -hmm. Pfizer. So that had a lot of people confused. There's a lot of people who got AstraZeneca now who are like, what the fuck? Yesterday, the prime minister had to come out and and and... And do the whole, I'm happy with the AstraZeneca shot I got. Everything is good. Don't worry. You should still take the first vaccine that's offered to you. That's the advice from Health Canada. He basically had to downplay his own scientists because they're terrible at communication. I still think they should disband NASI. But the PM had to come out yesterday yeah. and walk back almost everything they said. It was bizarre. And I thought, okay. Now Trudeau's come out and done it. He pointed out Doug Ford got AstraZeneca. Christine Elliott got it. Um, Christian Freeland got it. John Tory got Everybody's got AstraZeneca. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Then yesterday, Canada's second death linked to AstraZeneca occurred in a woman in her 50s in Alberta. Mm -hmm. Dr. Dina Hinshaw says that fatality is Alberta's first such death out of more than 253,000 doses of AstraZeneca administered. Another death was reported in Quebec. Last month. How much does that hurt? How much does that sting the effort to get people vaccinated in Canada when they hear shit like that the day after that very confusing advice from NASI? Yeah. 
it's going to affect some. It's going to affect some people and the choices that they make. And, you know, that's too bad that maybe some people will be swayed based on this. Maybe others were brought back into it based on what, I don't know how many people heard what Trudeau said and went, okay, I'm good now. Like, I don't know. People who have already made up their minds on this probably have already made up their minds on this. That's what, that's how I feel anyway. People who assume it's safe and think it's safe, they're going to just do it, regardless of these odd cases that pop up. And they are odd cases. And I'm not sure Trudeau, what, what he says about it is going to make a difference. Although, yeah, the whole nasty thing. I mean, I'm with you there. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. Uh, How great is Quebec doing here? Yesterday, Premier Francois Legault said the situation has improved in Quebec City and two other parts of the province, including Western Quebec. Therefore, restrictions are coming off. Wow. Starting May the 10th, five days from today. And by the way, they've been they've been in their circumstance for months for a long, long time, longer than Ontario. They've been on their curfew and lockdown and the whole the whole thing for longer. It's taken them a while to get there. Sure. But, you know, I mean, this is a step in the right direction. Yeah. He says, as of May 10th, students will return to in-class, non-essential businesses will reopen, and the nightly curfew is going to be pushed back to 9.30 from 8 o'clock. What a great step in the right direction. I mean, yeah. I feel like Quebec was very quick to to crack down when there was uh, an influx in cases. And now they're real quick to reopen things when it's safe. So, I mean, that's good. Good job to Francois Legault. I don't know a hell of a lot about Quebec politics, to be honest with you. So I don't know if this guy's popular there or not, but I think that's pretty good leadership. He's given him five days notice. If you're one of those shutdown businesses, congratulations. In five days, you can reopen your doors. Just do it safely. I think that's good. Meanwhile, we have an extremely unpopular premier here in Ontario. Uh, he sent that letter yesterday to uh, another letter to the feds yesterday asking for the border to be closed. And Bill Blair, the federal public safety minister, basically told him to fuck off. He said, We're, we've got restrictions. They're fine. OK, I, I don't know who's right or wrong there. I don't know how big a problem it is. I know there's cases coming in, but where the actual spread is coming from, I still tend to think is in the manufacturing and warehouses. However, um, just back to vaccines for a second. Yesterday, the prime minister said Canada will align with other countries on any documents needed to prove vaccinations as people begin to travel again. The PM said Canadians could start taking trips outside the country again by summer if everything goes well. All right. Thank you for giving us a goal here, Justin. (laughs) Summer? Okay, fine. I mean, that is still kind of very generic, but I will take it. I'm pretty good with that, too. I mean, if you're going to be traveling, summertime is a great time to do it. And uh, forget Vegas because they're booked. That ship has sailed. However, uh, unless you want to do one of those less popular Monday to Thursday vacations (laughs) in Vegas. (laughs) Why not? Um, Yeah, I mean, hey, you can travel again this summer, according to the PM. But I mean, that's what we've been talking about for a while. Give us a goal. Give us a timeline. And stick to it. So he's saying as long as people keep getting vaccinated, we're going to go. But I know those vaccine passports, quote unquote, are not popular with everybody. Is that because people don't want to get the vaccine or they don't want others to have access to any aspect of their health care? Do you know what it is that people don't like about the vaccine passports? Because I always just assumed if you're vaccinated, you would want some proof for it. That's why we carry around those Yellow cards, right? right? To say, I've had my diphtheria vaccination. Right. I'm, I've had my measles, mumps, and rubella. But Why you, wouldn't someone want other, someone else to know if they're vaccinated for COVID? But you don't need to do that in order to get 
to travel, for example. That's not the case. You don't show your yellow card when you travel currently or before the pandemic, right? That would change now. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a difference there. And some people, if they feel like they're they're not interested in getting it, you're going to get people who, they're going to get blowback on it. I mean, people were talking about this vaccine passport well before we even actually started talking about it. People assumed Before that, the vaccines were even ready. Yeah, yeah. People assumed this is going to be our future. You're going to have it either burned into your license or into your passport that we have, or there's going to be a brand new passport that you're going to get. And this was kind of a rumor that's been floating around for a while. People don't like anything that makes it seem like they don't have their own freedoms. That's exactly what it is. And people feel as though this is kind of taking away their freedom to choose or freedom to travel to move. Uh, So that's why I think mainly people don't like it. To me, this is kind of a no brainer. I mean, it's not us that's requiring this of Canadians. It's the other countries. So, for example, if the U.S. says you have to be vaccinated to come to America, then, yeah, I would think if you want to go to America, you're going to want that vaccine passport. Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't affect Canadians, though. It's not like we won't let you back into Canada if you're not vaccinated. So I I think that this is really a. If you have a problem with it, you have a problem with the country that's requiring it, not with the Canadian government. They're only going to require it for people coming into our country. And frankly, I don't know that that's a bad idea. We don't want a fourth wave. So Mm -hmm. why would we want people coming here that aren't vaccinated? You know what I mean? I hear you. Yeah. Uh, Online learning is going to return next year as an option. Mm-hmm. that's the right call, right? I mean, I, I think that there is going to be people yes. come September that don't want their kids yeah. going into a classroom. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's actually the right move to make. It really is because you're going to have people that are scared to have their kids in. You're going to have people that are unsure. Um, there are some people who say that their kids, and I say kids, but I mean like they're high schoolers, do have been doing better online. Like it, I guess, and it's true, and I've said it before, so why couldn't it be in the social aspect, same thing for learning aspect, but everybody learns differently and everybody can function differently and possibly function better in a different way. Who's to say the traditional setup should be that way for everybody? So if you do have students, I, I think of it, I, I like to think of it more of like the, the more mature students, the older students, like 13 plus, may have it, may find it's better for them and not just because of COVID, just any time to be to learn that way. Um, and for others, they need to be in that social atmosphere. It's a need for them, uh, or else they go they go batty too. Like I mean, everybody is different, and the way they handle things is different. It's not different when you're a child. You know, adults feel that way. Kids feel that way too. So I think that each parent probably knows best what's for their for their kid and, and vice versa. I'm sure their children have been telling them how they feel. Every time we shut schools down and open them again, I'm sure they hear from their kids either. Oh, fine. I'm fine with that home learning. Like I, I can focus better. You know, fuck the drama at school. I'm good here. Or vice versa, where the little kids are going, I want to see my friends. And so and the high schoolers are saying, I want to see my friends. I want that in-class experience. That makes a difference to me. So I think we should have options always. I truly do. And maybe we, we cap it at a certain age group after pandemic's done, I mean. But I, I like the idea of it. And I like the idea of, uh, of parents having that option because I don't want to hear complaints, mainly. Like, to be honest with you, I don't want to fucking hear any parents complaining about, well, my kid shouldn't be in class. Well, here's your option. Enjoy. You have options. So nobody can complain. Ontario is loosing, loosening some pandemic restrictions, but only in long-term care homes. They say it's because so many seniors are fully vaccinated now that those homes can now resume 
communal dining, mm. indoor events and gathering, and residents and their caregivers who are fully immunized are allowed to have physical contact like hugging. Oh, I love to hear that. Uh, me too. It's just bizarre that the government had to clarify, you're allowed to hug again. Doesn't that seem so fucking bizarre? It does. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it does. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to be taking on over the next couple of days is, for those who don't know, I'm also still involved in a fair number of sports, and I'm the commissioner of the United Lacrosse League, the ULL. And yesterday, the uh, who was it? It was Christine Elliott, the Minister of Health, and the Minister of Sport, Lisa McLeod, both had to clarify that they are not making any changes to outdoor sports for kids. They say there is currently no timeline for the reopening of basketball courts or tennis courts or golf courses. Uh, there is no kids sports and there won't be until the numbers go down and the hospitalizations and intensive care admissions go down. You know, I, uh, I'm, I am taking this on as a bit of a personal cause because because I work with a, a number of leaks, I see firsthand how beneficial this stuff is. And I'm, I'm looking at Dr. Isaac Bogosh there on Canada's vaccine, sorry, Ontario's vaccine task force. And, and he's come out and said definitively outdoor is so, so, so low risk. People should go outdoors. If you're going to do something, mm -hmm. do it outdoors. Outdoors is basically safe. And for those who don't know when any of these leagues is going to resume, whether it be soccer, baseball, ball hockey, lacrosse, whatever, they have to uh, submit a return to play protocol. And it's a very detailed piece of uh, work that you have to put together and you submit it to your region where you want to use the facilities and they'll approve it or deny it. They might say, OK, this is fine, but you've got to change that. And they basically make it as foolproof and safe as possible. Your return to play so that when you are allowed and once it's approved, you're allowed to book a ball diamond or you're allowed to book a soccer field or whatever. So we've got all that in place and we've got these associations that are all volunteer run, by the way, that are doing their best to satisfy all public health requirements. And now the region has agreed. Yep, it's safe. But the province still won't allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I find that wrong. I mean, when so much has been taken away from kids, I just can't see how they can continue to double down on this right now when we've got doctors saying it's safe. So right. I'm going to spam my timeline a little bit over the next couple of days, guys, trying to get them to see the light. And uh, lots of people are joining in on this. Several mayors are taking this on as a cause. And I kind of think that there's really only one way to get things done these days in Ontario is you got to get the mayors on it, because that's the only time the premier strays from ev even a little bit from what Dr. David Williams says, is if the mayors really start hounding him. So I'm really hoping that if you are the mayor of a city in Ontario, you will get behind this as well and join me in the call to allow kids to play outdoor sports. Yeah, I mean, if I may on that note, too, I've got I mean, I've got little ones I want to end. I want to put it, especially my oldest. I really wanted her to start like, a you know, a Tibbetts. Soccer, whatever it might be. I, I wanted her in that for sure. We don't know. And again, I do wish this is where the dates come into play. And we've talked about this before. Can we just get a date? Like, I understand it is. OK, so today's May 5th. Let us know that at least there is hope for our kids to be in some form of a summer program, you know, because that is yep. fair. And to me, yeah, of course, I think golf courses should be open, for example, right now. But that's not happening. And that's fine. And at this point, they're trying to be as strict as possible so those numbers can go down. I think that's fair. I really actually do. And I know not a lot of people do, but I think it's perfectly fair. But give us that time of, 
hey, guys, let's just get it down this much, and then we can start actually having people outside enrolling those kids in those sports that you're talking about and doing those things. I, and anything can happen. We know how quickly things change. It is May 5th today. We could be talking on May 20th about them coming out with an announcement because the numbers are on such a decline that they're like, fucking right, golf courses are open. Yes, you can start enrolling your kids as of, you know, on June 15th. They can be in their soccer leagues and their lacrosse leagues, and that's no problem as long as it's outdoors and you can do your squash things and whatever the fuck else you do. So I, 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 I'm okay with what they're doing right now. I truly, I actually am, even though I... I get it because I'm one of those parents that want to put their kids into sports immediately. But I'm also okay being patient about it to make sure that we're doing the right thing and make sure that because even though it is safe, you're still going to have some instances. You're still going to have some things happening because not the vaccines aren't out there for everybody yet. So, well, I mean, they did allow thousands of school cases before they shut those down. Yeah, but thousands. they fucked. I mean, we know they we know they done fucked up. Like we all know that. <laughs> we know that. Okay, we we we're not. It's not an, what's happening now is not an excuse for what happened before, if that makes sense to you. What's happening now is they're trying their best to fix it, I think. Are they trying their absolute best? I don't know. But I'm going to go ahead no. and assume that what they're doing and the choices they're making now is to try to at least make it better so we can do those things. And maybe they're on the right track for that. Maybe a few weeks from now, we're going to be talking about opening all those things well. and we'll realize it was a better choice for them to keep it closed for the time being so that come June, come summer, and don't forget it's not until the end of June, summer. Come summer, we actually can do those things. It is quite possible. So I'm going to attempt to be optimistic once again. That is my optimistic take on this situation. Here's the problem, though, and and we'll wrap it up on this, is number one, the summer sports got fucked last year. Yeah. Because of wave one. And a lot of those associations, again, uh, soccer, baseball, lacrosse, all those summer sports had already ordered in all of their inventory, and then they got shut down. So for a year now, they've been in the red, and they thought, finally, okay, this summer we're going to be good to go, and they can get rid of that inventory and bring in that revenue. And these are all not-for-profits, by the way, all not-for-profits. They're getting no government funding, and they're run by volunteers. So they were hoping that this was the year where they can get out of the red and at least get back to balance. And they can't now because, like you said, there's no date been put on it. And the risk they're really running right now is by not putting a date on it, they're running out of time to actually be able to have this season. So it it may seem bizarre to people that, ah, it's the beginning of May. Who cares? Uh, July is still two months away. A lot goes into planning these things and to running the season because, and and namely for, um, uh, in Ontario, we're a hockey province. A lot of those sports have multi-sport athletes, whereas if a kid plays soccer, they probably also play hockey as well. Well, hockey starts in August, and it looks like there's going to be no issue with hockey come August, but these sports have to get their season in or they lose it all together. So summer sports actually begin now. And don't forget, there's going to be a return to play protocol. There's going to be easing back in. There's going to be modifications, the whole nine yards. Plus, you have to get these kids back in shape. You can't just throw a ball in front of them and say, fucking go. You're going to be dealing with all kinds of injuries and shit like that. So you've got to work them way into it. There's going to be more practices than there typically would be at the start of a season. And they've got to start at least indicating when it just say it, say, you know what? We hope that if the numbers continue to trend the way they are beginning of June, for example, you'll be able to hit a field again, but no close contact. 
I mean, even that would give people an indication. But right now they're leaving them to read between the lines. And frankly, we thought because the the sport and tourism minister had indicated, hopefully we'll have some good news soon. Right. And then yesterday afternoon, they pulled the rug out and said, yeah, no, it's just plain not happening until the numbers come down. When you do stuff like that and you don't offer any hope, that puts a lot of these not-for-profit volunteer-run associations that in any other year apparently are a priority but aren't right now in a very precarious position. People need to know because there's literally millions of dollars on the line here. And I, I just think it's such a disservice to kids and the families and the volunteers and all the people who put the work in to not even give a benchmark for what it's going to take at least tell us okay when the icu numbers hit x we can start doing this or when the hospitalizations are down to here when the daily new cases are here anything just some sort of an indication Mm -hmm. so that people can make plans because plans need to be made they keep saying we're we need to recover after this we're going to bounce back and what is it doug says we're going to fire up the economy on all cylinders Okay, but there's planning that goes into that. And maybe it's a little bit easier for a multinational Walmart or Amazon to just ramp it up again. But for some businesses, it takes a while. And there's an entire season that's at risk of being lost here when it comes to kids' sports that if they don't make a decision or give an indication soon, the whole thing's going to be lost. And it'll have been two years that got lost because of the pandemic. I wonder how much of this new announcement that just came down will impact that. And as someone who is so heavily involved in in sports, I am curious how you feel about it. But uh, it is breaking news today that uh, children 12 and older have been cleared to receive Pfizer's vaccine in Canada. Do you see a time where, much like these vaccine passports, we're we're going to need something like that for kids playing sports, for example? Uh, I don't think that's going to come into play right away, but I could see it eventually. I I think if anything, if they're going to require kids to get vaccinated, it'll be for one of two things to attend in-person class or to travel. And I think that that's going to be a tough decision for a lot of parents to make that they are they they aren't even sure about this vaccine for themselves, let alone putting it in a child. It's a lot. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough decision for a lot of parents to make. I don't envy them. This is um, a real unfortunate situation. It really is. But I also don't see that becoming an issue until next winter. I don't think that we're going to be vaccinating kids. And they might start in September. But they've got to get the adults done first. First and second shot. It's going to take a minute. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't see that happening until 2022. Unless for some reason we end up with a billion vaccines that fall out of the sky. I I hear you. Okay. All right. uh, Is that it? I think so. Hey, guys, you have a fantastic Cinco de Mayo. I am going to go and find some some Patron right now. It's on the rocks, and I'm ready for some shots. (laughs) You are so fucking gangster. I love it. I love Cinco de Mayo. (laughs) Have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. We'll catch you right back here tomorrow. Washington, D.C. just unveiled new social distancing rules that ban dancing at weddings. So if you planned a big choreographed dance, the mayor just did you a huge favor. Mayor Bill and Melinda Gates decided to part ways after 27 years of marriage. They got the 27-year itch, I guess. They have a combined estimated worth of at least $134 billion. When you're that rich, why do you even need to get divorced? Can't they just live in separate wings? (laughs) 
Here's some great news. Uh, next week, the FDA is set to approve the Pfizer shot for kids between the ages of 12 and 15. <laughs> Parents were like, good, because either way, they were going to summer camp. Eight people who were involved in the torch relay for the Tokyo Olympic Games have tested positive for the coronavirus. Well, it's hard news to hear, but at least the contact tracing will be easy. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.